Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Cricket with an Accent. This is your host, Saqib Ali. Today, uh, this episode is a special one because this is an exercise I've never been part of. Uh, we all talk about cricket and respective boards and the name BCCI has become a household name when we discuss cricket, especially relating matters to India. It's no secret BCCI is the number one uh, recognized body in the game. It's it's a force, it's an empire. Uh, it polarizes the conversation, especially among the Indian fans. Uh, but we seldom get a chance to really examine what goes on behind the scenes. The cricketers are the poster boys, the superstars, but they're also men and women who are working behind behind the scenes, the backroom, which has taken this game to a journey that no one envisioned it would. And helping me do the honors today is a very special guest, uh, former general manager of uh, BCC Operations, uh, Professor Ratnakar Shetty, has taken time out to speak with us at the Cricket with an Accent. Welcome to the show, Professor Shetty. Thank you. Thank you, Sarkib. My pleasure. No, no pleasure is all mine. And believe me, like I was telling you before we started recording, uh, BCCI is a name that does polarize because it's a very powerful institution. And sometimes uh, the fans anger or sometimes uh, with power, even your book says, you know, there comes misconceptions like arrogance. And it's pretty much an empire, if I call them, because, you know, that's that's what it, it seems like today. It yeah. runs, uh, you know, most important cricketing uh, matters. It's a big arm of the ICC, It's if we can say it. So, But the focus just today is you, the story, because I'm going to hear uh, your side of the story. I really enjoyed the book uh, which uh, that came out called On Board. Uh, and I'll give a plug-in uh, for the book link in the show notes, and hopefully some of my listeners will go and buy it. I'm sure a lot of them have already read it. It's a very knowledgeable cricket crowd. So let's start with your relation with cricket. You've spent a lifetime with the BCCI, but what was your, your relation to the game as a young boy? Did you ever envision you'll be part of an integral boardroom where cricketing matters uh, have shaped and you will write a book? So take us back to your journey uh, as a fan or were you a fan to begin with? Well, I was a cricket fan like any other uh, Indian following the game. But uh, honestly, I used to like the Australian team in those days. This was in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, I used to be a fan of Australian cricket. And it all changed, I think, uh, with the 1971 twin victories of the Indian team in West Indies and England. And uh, my hero, Sunil Gavaskar, and uh, his mate, Gundapa Vishwanath, I think uh, these two people really uh, I felt uh, I should follow them. And uh, with that started my journey of following Indian cricket. Uh, I still remember uh, the first test match that I watched live was way back in 1969 at the Brabourne Stadium. And uh, that was the match which was interrupted by uh, some crowd behavior. And Australia uh, won that test match, actually. But that was my beginning of actually connecting myself to Indian cricket and following Indian cricket. Uh, my involvement with uh, cricket administration was not planned. Uh, it all started that 
in the Wilson College at Mumbai, where I, I joined as a lecturer in chemistry in the year 1975. And uh, Wilson College was one of the permanent members of the then Bombay Cricket Association, now called as the Mumbai Cricket Association, one of the leading cricket organizations in India. And uh, I re started representing my college on the Bombay Cricket Association in their annual meetings. And that's how I got into uh, the subcommittee of uh, the Bombay Cricket Association as a member of uh, intercollegiate cricket tournaments. And that was the, uh, the beginning that I made as an administrator in uh, cricket at the domestic level at Bombay. That was, that was where I started. And I never had any inclination or intention of uh, going to the cricket board uh, at all. It was just the passion and love of cricket and organizing the cricket tournaments for students, which uh, really brought me into this sport. No, it was very intriguing and quite interesting, the journey. And you kept, you, you stayed at the Wilson College, right, for a very long time, yeah, uh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And you would go uh, to the BCCI offices around 2 p.m. after finishing a lecture. So that's yeah. pretty fascinating. So did you ever think, I mean, it's, it's, it's too much uh, of time consumption. You were doing two jobs or the passion always carried you through? <laughs> I think uh, it was basically the passion and... Uh, Advantage was I was staying close to the college. My residence was not far off. And uh, from the college to the then BCCI office at the Brabourne Stadium was another 10 or 15 minutes uh, journey. And then that's probably the reason why I didn't feel uh, uh, taxing. After finishing my college work, I used to uh, go to the BCCI office. And that journey started in, uh, I think, 2003, uh, when I was elected as the Joint Secretary of the BCCI. And uh, I was also looking after as uh, the Executive Secretary in charge of the board. But before that, I think I must mention here that in 1975, when I started to represent Wilson College on the Bombay Cricket Association, which is again close to the board office in Churchgate, uh, that was the place where I actually got into the groove of uh, cricket administration. Because Bombay Cricket Association had a structure with a lot of former cricketers used to participate in the cricket administration and running of the cricket activities. Uh, and that was probably called as the nursery of Indian cricket in those days. And I started off as a subcommittee member of uh, the Bombay Cricket Association uh, in, in 1986, and then went on to uh, contest the election for the managing committee in 1990. And from 1996 to 2011, I was an office bearer of the 
Bombay Cricket Association, first the honorary secretary for eight years, the treasurer of the association for six years, and then of course uh, uh, as the vice president for a year before uh, I shifted fully uh, to the BCCI. That's I think uh, the 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 movement that I had as a cricket administrator. And uh, it was the Maidans of Mumbai cricket which really uh, was the reason for my following that path at, at some point of time. No, it's, uh, it's again, uh, I don't want to use the word fascinating twice, but it is fascinating. And, you know, we'll talk about the Brebon Stadium. And then I think the Vankhede Stadium came while you were already working with Wilson College in the cricket capacity, right? It's still. Yes. Yes, yeah, I was. Be... I, I just joined college, and that was about the time when Vankhede Stadium hosted the first Test match uh, between India and West Indies in early Jan 1975. Uh, before that, all the Test matches in Mumbai were played at uh, the Brabant Stadium, and it was uh, uh, it was basically an ego issue between the people who governed at the CCI or Brabant Stadium uh, or the number of tickets that could be made available to the then Bombay Cricket Association, which led to Bombay Cricket Association deciding to have their own stadium. And that's how the Vankade Stadium became a reality. Mm, interesting. I can imagine, you know, ego and, you know, control of power. That's what happens when we do these things. I've been part of like a very small cricket club mm. in the United States, you know, where we played cricket for 15 years. Mm. I stopped playing six years ago and there were egos and <laughs> it was recreational. Yeah. And there's egos and uh, politics is a bad word, but it is politics, like team selection and what to play, what not yeah. to play. So I can only imagine what happened at that level. But before I get into the politics and how the BCCI works, because which will be a good crash course for the listeners here, uh, you've also been a team manager. Uh, and that's something, you know, was uh, I was not aware of, uh, that that's another role. And that shows my lack of knowledge. And some of the other listeners here probably know that you were on the 97 tour as a team manager. So what is the job profile for the team manager? Because I know when you were offered the job, you were excited, but it but it comes with great responsibility. So talk about well, that think, phase. Yeah, if you, if for the listeners should realize that uh, Indian cricket, uh, you know, was not the same as it is today. The the manager's role in those days was important, and it involved managing everything: the day-to-day affairs of the tour, uh, the administrative role looking after the team requirements because uh, I must admit here that in 1997 on the Sri Lanka tour of, uh, we went on the tour, uh, which was a tour of 43 days and uh, with with a lot of uh, political storm in Sri Lanka with uh, in their internal problems. And uh, a huge security was provided for the Indian team, which meant that we could not move out of the hotel. Uh, We stayed in one hotel for almost 43 days. And all the matches that we played in Sri Lanka in those days on that tour were only in Colombo. Such was uh, the issue of uh, 
uh, you know the security which was there in those in the on that particular tour and uh, in and those circumstances i think the role of manager was extremely important and the indian team those days didn't have a physio or a trainer it was the coach who had to do all all the running around and uh, manage the team on the cricket side and there was an administrative manager which I, who had to look after uh, the requirements of the field that was the basic structure in 97 no and and also uh, the other big story was uh, you had to come back and file a report there were other things that happening during the tour yeah. uh like and and it was a very strong opinionated former player madanlal as coach and he gave some interviews and the players felt yeah. uh, a bit insecure so so that that must be <laughs> uh, that well, must be was, a good way to jump into uh, into the managerial it role it was actually uh, challenging in more than one ways i must point out here that uh, that was the period when the rumors of match fixing were growing uh loud and uh, fast and lot of indian cricketers were uh, being were being named and articles were coming out in the papers uh and the bcci then appointed uh, retired chief justice of the supreme court mr justice chandrachud then uh, who is incidentally the father of the present chief justice of the supreme court and uh, he conducted an inquiry calling a lot of people but uh, he gave a report that there was nothing substantial that could be proved because everybody was just con- uh, conveying what they had heard nobody had any evidence or proof uh, to to point at at a particular individual or at particular cases so that was uh, a big issue in those days on that tour and during the tour also uh, you know we used to keep on hearing uh, the problems with, which were there and under those circumstances uh, you know the games were being played with the doubts in the minds of people the cricket followers in india as to whether everything is right with indian cricket and it was not therefore easy to uh, keep a check on that that is one uh second was uh, uh madanlal you know a passionate cricketer himself a good coach somewhere down the line lost his uh, link a bit from the team and in the midst of a tour gave an interview uh you know uh, expressing his opinion on each and every member of the indian team which was uh, certainly not in good taste and uh, not required Uh, in the midst of a tour and 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 it added to the problems which were existing so i had to i had these two major issues which were there and then of course since it was a long tour and since both the teams were staying in the same hotel uh there were certain other issues which uh, a young indian team consisting of tendulkar as captain rahul dravid anil kumble saurav ganguly who then went on to play for a long time you know they were uh, picking their brains with the sri lankan players on 
the payment of match fee, the structure of payment of match fee, uh, then the need for the appointment of a physiotherapist, uh, the need for the appointment of a trainer and conditioner for, for the team. And we took that time to discuss with the Sri Lankan players. And, and when we came back to India, we submitted our report, which included all these uh, discussions. And that was, uh, I'm happy to say that the board took cognizance of all those points. And the immediate uh, thing was the appointment of a conditioner and trainer for the Indian team, a qualified physiotherapist, uh, with the Indian team and uh, Indian team also the Indian board also decided to plan graded payments to the cricketers as was the case in Sri Lanka and finally came up with a model uh, of retainership for cricketers and uh, along with that they would be paid the match fees the match fees would be the same for all players but uh, retainers would be based on their past performance in the last year and uh, their selection would be based on uh, pure performance. No, it was quite the time for you to join. So is it normal, like after every tour, the touring manager has to file the report, you know, good or bad, whatever the learnings were, or that was more like a unique situation? Uh, it was a unique situation, I think. Uh, because, uh, you know, as I said, we had a lot of time we, because we couldn't go out of the, the hotel. And uh, being having come from a college atmosphere where we deal with uh, that generation of age group and uh, having known the background of the issues that, that the Indian cricketers were facing, I had a lot of time which I could spend with... Uh, the players interact with them and try and understand their views on that. So it really helped us uh, to prepare a good report for the board. Of course, at, at the end of every tour, the manager is supposed to submit a, tour, a report on, uh, on the tour, on the matches that were played and if there are any significant uh, incidents that happened there. But uh, this was more than that. Sure. And you said, right, if I'm not uh, mistaken in the book uh, later, I think uh, Rahul Dravid and Anil Kumble were quite instrumental, oh, yes. at least uh, oh, yes. for the compensation I... model, right? They also worked with you and uh, what they learned from the Sri Lankans and went on and then also help in documenting from the player's point of view. Totally. I think uh, Rahul Dravid and Anil Kumble uh, should get the full credit for finalizing the draft which got implemented by the BCCI in uh, 2003, finally. But, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of discussions at different level, but uh, the, the entire draft discussion with the legal team was finalized by these two gentlemen. And, and Professor Shetty, the journey is even more amazing when today, because in hindsight, everything looks like, okay, we arrived at this position of power and cricket flows in India, it's in our DNA, all that stuff we say. But in '97, it's uh, it's you know it's hard to imagine that Sri Lanka had a better pay structure for cricketers. They seem like they were a more advanced board. Is it is it a fair assumption? Because now, oh, as yes. things stand, I, I, you know nobody will believe that. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. Uh, I was very impressed on that tour of Sri Lanka because a 
they had a separate board for the school's cricket you know from where they were getting their players the school's cricket was quite competitive and well organized uh, it was it was a it was a separate board which functioned independent of the sri lankan cricket board that i felt was something uh, very impressive and uh, as i said uh, they were ahead of us actually at that point of time when it came to the player payments uh, the appointment of physiotherapists trainers uh, you know uh, it really ma- mattered at that time and uh, particularly arjuna ranatunga and arvind de silva they gave us uh, examples of how it helped the the how the support staff makes a difference to the players on the field and with their own examples uh, they explained to us you know they it, they were ahead of us no doubt yeah and then uh, also i think in this tour uh, because uh, you met the players and you spent time with them 43 days in the yeah. same hotel uh, there is uh, an element of trust because in this kind of a job right the manager's yeah. job is also to look after players needs protect them from yeah. sometime unnecessary media questions and even educate them so and i and i was uh, configuring your relationship when during the chapel years uh, how players spoke to you so i think that comes from uh, a level of respect because they trusted you uh, yes so we'll definitely get to that part of the conversation if the you know we get there but now just the connecting point is 2004 seven years later you were again traveling to the team uh with Pak- no you you went with a panel actually to study the pakistan landscape the, with the yeah. amrit mathur and yashavardhan azad so yeah. that to me is like a film honestly like government officials will <laughs> going to scan the scene and then you of course pakistanis were very hospitable you um, uh, you said you made some lifelong friendships with some of those administrative yeah. folks there so what kind of instruction how did that trip come about and i'm sure there's great responsibility because your trip you not only were you looking after the security measures that were going to be in place but also decided the venues where the tests and odis be played beat multan or rawalpindi so what do you remember of that time and just uh, share with the listeners how that came about and a uh, little bit about the experience yeah i think the pakistan tour uh, happened uh, because of the initiative of the then president mr atal bihari vajpayee he was keen that uh, india starts playing against pakistan bilaterally and uh, he gave a go ahead to the cricket control board for that tour to happen and we visited pakistan the three of us as you rightly said and we went to all the venues in fact uh, uh, and the the ambassador at that time uh, in pakistan was mr shiv shankar menon who then went on to become the external affairs uh, secretary and uh, the the chairman of the national uh, the national body for security and he was uh, there in uh, islamabad uh, we met him and then we went on a tour of pakistan to all the different venues where cricket was to be played and uh, it was yashwardhan azad you know who had already been to pakistan a number of times uh, with even for mr vajpayee's uh, trip for the sark nations meeting 
so he had a fair idea of uh, the security arrangements but what was more striking was uh, you know wherever we went the people had lined up the streets with the posters of mr wajpay and mr musharraf uh, thanking them for starting the cricket relations and uh, i must admit here that uh, the musharraf government uh, conveyed to us in our meetings that uh, no, no efforts will be spared as far as security was concerned and the security to be provided to the indian team was uh, the same as that is provided to any head of the state who would visit pakistan that was the commitment that was given to us uh, obviously there was no issue with the cricket part of it uh, for inspection because the stadiums and the culture of cricket there all those issues were in place so when we came back uh, we submitted a report in which Uh, there were only two points of important one was uh, from the security point of view that uh, we wouldn't play uh, we uh, a day night game at karachi and uh, not more than a day stay in karachi and we would play only an odi and same at uh, uh, the other venue which was there and we when we submitted the report the government accepted that uh, there was queries on that and but the tour was finalized that was one of the great experiences that i had as an administrator uh, you know preparing for a tour with a country which we were visiting for a full tour after 14 years you know also on the eve of the tour right the team went to see the uh, prime minister then prime minister mr atul yeah. bihari vajpay and then a great message uh, dil jeeto and khel jeeto basically also win hearts and win at cricket so these cricketers were seen as ambassadors uh, yes. that has to be uh, i don't even know like if any other sport these kind of things happen especially with the tensions prevailing between the two countries and then this was seen as a friendship tour and then india going there and historically winning yeah uh, i think uh, you know we got a message uh, we were supposed to leave from delhi by air india flight and uh, we got a message from the prime minister's office that on your way to the airport prime minister would like to meet the team and we spent almost an hour with the prime minister and uh, you know his message was very clear that it is the people to people contact that has to be developed and uh, you know we we need to work on that so even as you go all out to win your cricket uh, please remember that uh, the the aim is to you know uh, develop an atmosphere where of goodwill between the two people of the two nations and we really uh, we did a lot of activities on that tour uh, and i'm happy at the end of it that you know we could manage uh what the prime minister was really looking at we also won the cricket but apart from that i think uh, the team got lot of uh, positive uh, responses throughout the tour yeah and you were there also as a manager right so that yes. uh, this was the second time you were a manager right or were you did you manage the team after the 97 sri lankan tour again no no so after 97 i was manager of the under 15 team for the asia cup and world cup uh which was the world cup was played in england 
So I had gone with the under 15 team. Mr. Roger Binney was then the coach of the under 15. And then in 2004, I went to Pakistan. Has the manager role changed over the years? What team managers do now compared to what you did in the first two stints? Has that profile changed, got sanitized or uh, in your view? Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, it has changed a lot because now you have got a lot of support staff with the team. You know, there's, uh, in our days, the manager had to manage the logistics, travel, hotel arrangements, if there are any issues, with the help of the local manager. But now, uh, the Indian team has a logistics manager with the team. There is a security manager with the team. There is an anti-corruption unit official who travels. So there, you know, the burden on the manager as such today is not the same as it was in the past. And uh, I think with with uh, professional coaches being appointed, uh, things changed also with in terms of uh, you know you 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 manage uh, the administrative part of it fully. I think the workload is now divided. So it is. It's the burden is definitely lesser than what it was uh, till two thousand four. So yeah. Now let's go back to. Uh, we'll go keep going back and forth to other positions mm-hmm. you've held as a office bearer of the BCCI. And again, the amazing part is like the players' parade in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. That must have mm-hmm. been a huge thing to organize, especially it was coming on the eve of a festival, right? The Ganesh Utsav was coming oh, yes. to an end. You had to organize that. And we yeah. see these, right? Even in New England, where I live in Boston, when teams win, city gets shut down. People complain who work there, but you know, you have to do a lot of coordination. So what kind of uh, organization skills and what kind of connection uh, with the government helps facilitate this kind of a parade and also throw light at the difficult what? part of it when 2007, the team comes from the World Cup from a heartbreaking exit, then also you have to make sure that the players yes. are taken care of in a safe manner. So talk about that kind of stuff. And you also had connections to call the chief minister uh, in 2011 World Cup when he was the host tournament director uh, to yeah. get special police permission. So big question, but how does all this work in the back and how? what kind of coordination, how far in advance do you need to get uh, to these people? Uh, to make sure there's an efficient, smooth operation for a player's parade or uh, to get police permissions? So please share those kind of details. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question, basically, because, you know, it was, these are three different experiences, basically. When the Indian team was ousted of the World Cup in 2007, there was a lot of reaction on the ground in in, in the cities where the players were staying. You know, people were, some houses were stoned, people were demonstrating, putting up posters. And, uh, you know, overnight, they had become villains. The same cricketers who were adored and uh, heroes had uh, become villains now. And that, and that was uh, the first issue that I experienced. Uh, of course, it was not new to us because in 1974, when India lost to England under Ajit Wadekar, uh, we there were similar instances of uh, crowd behavior. You know, people stoning uh, the the houses of cricketers and those kind of stuff that we had seen earlier also. 
and how short lived the memory of uh, uh, such incidents are and uh, when the team landed at mumbai you know the first uh, step that we had we had a discussion with the police and uh, how to safely get them out of the out of the airport uh because the boys who were not in Bom- not from bombay were to travel further to other destinations so we had to contact those uh, uh, police in those cities also about the timings of the arrival of players and in bombay we had to have a safe passage uh, so we decided not to use the regular exit uh, terminal of the airport but uh, we brought them out of uh, the terminal which was there for private airlines or jets and uh, therefore even as the crowd had gathered outside the main main airport hoping uh, you know with banners and uh, making noise they never realized that the the team had already arrived and left uh, safely to their hotels that was one experience when we won the world cup in uh, within months we won the t20 inaugural world cup in south africa uh, mr pawar was uh, was the president of the bombay cricket association and was also the president of the bcci at that time and uh, he was powerful as a minister in the center and uh, therefore he called me up he said that uh, the team is arriving tomorrow and uh, we need to have a motorcade from the airport to ankade stadium uh, i really uh, my first reaction was i told him it is really tough because uh, the entire police force has worked for 24 hours for the bandobast for ganesh utsav the last day of ganpati in bombay and that itself is a huge exercise so i i i was not very keen and i didn't know how the police would react but then uh, he spoke to the home minister at maharashtra state and uh, got his promise that they would provide uh, necessary police protection from the airport to ankade and nobody really expected what kind of reception would be there you know in terms of number of people and believe me uh, from airport to uh, ankade stadium it took us almost 7 and 1/2 hours for the team to reach the team bus and there was huge crowds at throughout the route young and old wanting to see the players and uh, it was a great uh, experience of another type which i i got when receiving the team that won the 2007 world cup you know this uh, this is something which was uh, which, which is an experience you get as an administrator uh, you think there are difficulties and uh, then through dialogues with the people concerned uh, you know you need you need to reassurance that things will go on well and and that's what happened actually and uh, the third was uh, you know the world cup 2011 final was played at vankade stadium and in bombay there is a rule that uh, you know after 10 pm you can't have the loudspeakers on 
so it was it was going to have a problem on that day so around 9:45 the commissioner of police called me and he said that uh, at, at 10 o'clock all the uh, loudspeakers will be off and no no sound and music will be heard in the stadium you can continue your game and uh, that was the time when uh, we approached the chief minister who was watching the match uh, from the president's box and we requested him he understood that the situation was such that people were all it was a game which was tilting towards indian win and people were enjoying the song and the music and uh, you know it was it would be proper to put off the sound system so he took the responsibility and told the commissioner that uh, you know allow them to use the uh, sound system even after 10 pm so right up to the prize distribution function that day uh, the sound system was allowed as a special case uh, so these are three different uh, experiences i had uh, organizing the events Yeah, and this this kind of perfectly paves now the next few questions, which will be on the BCCI, and uh, it's no secret, right? Cricket's growth uh, in India has been tremendous. BCCI's profile has just enormously grown over the years, and we see some uh, big names, politicians, bureaucrats, and people of influence uh, run the office. So, how do you look back at this profile growth? in the beginning if someone had told you like uh, former chief ministers would be running cricket one day even though mother of sindhya was as far as mm-hmm. my recollection in 90 he was running cricket for 89 yeah. 90 but yeah. uh, when you took on the, you know the role at the bcci as a part timer then you know grow into a full time role how have you seen this this grown over and then the second part of the question is bcci to me is like a mini government so there is a lot of politics there like you talk in the book but they all mm-hmm. work together once the politics is behind them so talk about this uh, this chapter where men of influence have taken over the office well i think uh, you know uh, we are just uh, the people instead of looking at what the current situation in terms of financial strength of the bcci one has also to look back at where we started the struggles that uh, bcci had a huge guarantee monies that we had to pay england australia and west indies to visit india uh, there was no money with the board and uh, it was difficult it was only in 2000 uh, once the court order which came in favor of the board that uh, telecast rights uh, even the national uh, broadcaster has to bid for it that changed the scenario and uh, the bcci started earning broadcast revenue you know that's that that's about it and uh, uh, so far as the people who govern the game are concerned you're right mother of india was one of the first of uh, uh, the cricket administrators who was a, as a politician was involved uh, but uh, i think he you know he is an example with Uh, with latter people coming in also that so far as these politicians don't interfere in the working of the association in terms of uh, the game uh, i don't think any reason to be worried about 
you know they just uh, their help is useful in uh, development of infrastructural facilities uh, in getting uh, the permissions which are required timely permissions uh, i may call it and uh, while difficulties while organizing important matches can be overcome with the head of the body or association being a powerful politician himself so i i personally don't grudge uh, a politician heading a sports organization so far as they support the game and do not interfere with any other activities particularly of the conduct of the game and and that's uh, that's important and uh, over the years from madaros india we we had mr vankade who was uh, also the president he was a minister in the maharashtra government who was followed by manohar joshi chief minister of maharashtra then sharad pawar and similarly arun jetli farooq abdullah anurag thakur so a lot of politicians uh, did come into the system and uh, you know one the the problem with politicians coming in is uh, to take charge of the board you know the politic politicking of uh, a different kind happens where uh, you know one, they they take charge of uh, the institution and uh, you know at times therefore uh, it, it 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 is uh, it's a question which which the supreme court uh, also raised as to why do we need politicians but personally i feel there is no harm so far as uh, they are helpful for the growth of the game you said something in your response about the broadcasting rights so yeah. that's something that took the bcci uh, you know stock skyrocketed and just yeah. like any other sport in the world today we can watch sports on our phones so broadcasting rights is taking the sport to millions and millions of people so yeah. was there a particular moment that- that you look back where it all changed was it the reliance cup was it the z versus espn court case where bcci finally realized okay this is the incoming revenue this is you know because that's where basically power was restored so is there any broadcasting no, it, moment a, you want to flag here yeah i think uh, it's a very funny uh, incident that happened you know the south african team after being uh, brought back into the icc Uh, with the help of bcci you know they were touring india in 1992 i suppose and uh, they were to play three odis in at eden gardens and we the cricket control board got a, a letter from the south african broadcast association that they wanted to broadcast live all the three matches in south africa uh, on the historic occasion and they had asked for uh, what would be the payment necessary for that now till till that time you know doordarshan which is the national broadcaster was the only one which was showing all the cricket matches and bcci really didn't get much revenue out of that or rather no revenue i would say and we we used to feel happy that it is being televised live so 
so that people can see the India games. It all changed with this South Africa broadcast letter. And uh, South African broadcast uh, body offered BCCI $200,000 in those days as fees for uh, uplinking the matches. And that, that is where the BCCI realized that, you know, uh, we need to check on this and study this because there is there seems to be a lot of money and we were not getting anything. And that is when the BCCI decided to call for tenders for broadcast rights. Now, it was challenged by Doordarshan, which was a government body. And the matter went on till the Supreme Court. And finally, Supreme Court in 1995, I think, passed an order that uh, cricket, international cricket to be played in India is a property of BCCI. And if Doordarshan wants to telecast those matches, they should bid like any other broadcaster. And that, I feel, was the landmark judgment of the Supreme Court, which changed the whole face of Indian cricket and what we are seeing today. That was the beginning of uh, BCCI earning from the broadcast revenue. And uh, uh, the second part of it, yes, the, the, the fight between Z and ESPN only accelerated because uh, the first four years, we hardly got 100 pros. For the next four years, we got about 400 pros. And then Z and ESPN were fighting each other for a figure more than 2,000 pros. That was in that was the change that was observed, and of course, uh, uh, when when the rights were offered in 2006, it once the once the court order was there, and rights were tendered, broadcast rights, they were won by Nimbus, and Nimbus paid about 2,000 crores for four years. Today, I think uh, we have assumed a different level altogether in terms of revenue from broadcast rights because uh, the starting of IPL and IPL broadcast rights has changed uh, the whole scene. And uh, as you rightly uh, uh, see, the broadcast rights are now in two quantums, you know, this, the television rights and the internet, the digital rights. And digital rights have taken over the television rights in terms of monetary values. I think uh, uh, this is a phenomenal change which we are seeing in terms of revenue. And uh, that is where BCCI has, has gone and reached uh, in the last 20 years. Sure. So that uh, brings us to my one of my favorite chapters in the book, Stability. So we all talk about BCCI, like I've said it before. Uh, we say, oh, blame BCCI. BCCI doesn't do this. But how does actually BCCI work for a for an avid cricket follower who follows the fortune of Indian cricket team 12 months long? Talk about the structure of BCCI. How many people are in the board? 
the elections, you know, just give a crash course to someone before we talk, we yeah. know what we're talking about. Then where does uh, like a Mr. Ratnakar Shetty fit in and uh, are they full-time employees? Just uh, give us some visibility into uh, what the organization was. And now I know they have hired a lot of people. It's grown into a, a, a massive office at the new cricket center. Yeah. So talk yeah. about, you know, the framework and, you know, how how it operates. Yeah, I think uh, I must uh, speak on that because the BCCI office was located in Brabon Stadium in a 500 square feet space. And it was, uh, the office had only four people working there. There was, uh, it was more like, you know, uh, a postal uh, department where letters used to be sent and uh, communications uh, were received because uh, the office bearers used to operate from their own places. The president would have an office in his place. For example, Mr. Dalmia would operate from Calcutta or uh, uh, Mr. Chidambaran in the olden days when he was the treasurer and president, he was operate from Tamil Nadu in Chennai. So everybody, all the office bearers used to operate from their home uh, city. And they used to have an office there. There was no coordination in terms of documentation, in terms of uh, you know, uh, the, the, the day-to-day functioning uh, with the treasurer, the secretary, joint secretary, and the president. These are the four important people who used to run the BCCI in those days. And there was no common office which was operating. And that I felt was an hindrance. So when Mr. Pawar became the president and uh, he decided that we need to have a central office and that is when we moved to the cricket center office at Wankhede Stadium. Uh, and we entered into an agreement with Mumbai Cricket Association. We have uh, three floors in that building, uh, two floors are dedicated to the BCCI administration, and the the top floor of that building is the IPL office. And the whole structure started changing from 2006. So everything now operates from Cricket Center as far as BCCI is concerned, and uh, the the president, secretary, they have their own offices, their own private secretaries, but the main administrative office is in Mumbai at Vankade Stadium. And uh, when this office was set up, we really didn't know how to, uh, you know, institutionalize the office. Uh, that is where uh, I think Mr. N. Srinivasan, being an industrialist, uh, his whole knowledge of corporate uh, setup came into being. And BCCI appointed uh, TCS, Tata uh, Consultancy, to give us a paper on how to structure the office. What should be the strength of the pe- number of people working? What should be the various departments that are necessary? So they came up with a plan in 2006, 2007. And on that basis, uh, recruitment of people started. And today we have about 100 people working. 
at the BCCI office, and it is a centralized office which operates from Bombay. No, oh, that's uh, quite quite a jump. So basically, the small room that we saw in the eighty-three yeah. film, the Ranveer Singh film that came out last year, Kabir Khan yes. film, that's yes. pretty accurate how the BCCI yes. operated. Yes. And the other 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 thing I wanted to explore here is uh, how many members in the board, how does the elections work, and who gets nominated? If you can, you know, walk us through a couple of minutes there as well. Well, the structure of the uh, general body of the board is that every state association nominates one member at the AGM, and now it is uh, structured according to the Supreme Court order. Loda recommendations are applicable. so all the rules regulations are defined under loda recommendations of uh, uh, who can represent who can contest uh, eligibility non eligibility everything is now defined in that and uh, every state therefore as a representative for that meeting and then they elect a president secretary vice president a joint secretary and a treasurer five people are elected for a period of 3 years and uh, it is now structured uh, is the second election that happened last year the first election was in 2019 on the basis of loda recommendation and now in 2022 we had the second time where a 3 year body has been elected so it's a structured uh, body now with representations and uh, eligibility is being properly defined and uh, you know just a quick question uh, on on the men who have governed bcci and you've given ample room for each mm. visionary leader and it's it's tough to pick and choose and compare but you know my job is to ask here of uh, mm. all the dalmias and the pawars and rajsingh dungapurs whose reign was the most impactful if you have to pick one or two periods Uh, and the name will be associated with it but let's okay let's reframe the question what two two or three periods were more impactful to make bcci the force it has become today and then you can plot who was running the off- office then so if if that's a fair question yeah i think the first period was uh, maybe 95 to 2001 when mr dalmia controlled the affairs of the bcci first as the as the secretary of the board and then the president of the board because and that the, the he you know from 93 to i think 96 uh the the team of mr dalmia bindra i think played a major role in in uh, structuring the bcci making it stronger making its voice being heard in the icc you know those things happened with bindra and dalmia at the fore uh that was the time when uh, i think uh, even the veto rights of england and australia were withdrawn uh from the icc and everybody had equal rights uh, till that time the india uh, australia and england used to have veto rights on any decisions that were taken and uh, that according to me was the first period of importance where telecast rights became a reality because of their fight and uh, position in the icc became more meaningful for bcci uh, in that period with mr dalmia being elected as the president of the B- of the icc 
the second period of uh, improving the structure and creating a corporate structure for bcci uh, creating infrastructure uh, bringing in women's cricket under the umbrella of the bcci which is now a major uh, thing i feel started with uh, mr pawar's election as the president in 2005 continued under mr sashank manohar and under shrinivasan so i think 2005 to 2011 uh in their tenures uh 2013 not 11 i think that tenure was important for a lot of development that happened uh so far as bcci is concerned and that includes uh the freedom which i got to work during that period and the support they extended to you know not only run day to day affairs but also start educational programs for development of umpires curators match referees uh the physiotherapists trainers you know that was the period where i thought that uh, the growth of bcci in in real terms uh making it fully supporting the cricket uh, structure happened during that period and the umpiring project which you also i think were at the helm of it uh, mm. w- was a dear one i think uh, to you for sure mm. so yeah. that that is also quite an interesting phase because some because from from a fan vantage point we are just looking at the infrastructure for school university maybe ground yes. level domestic so what was the need and okay let me reframe how, how was the need identified the talent pool of umpires and then the collaboration with cricket australia with toffel coming on board mm-hmm. and then the program was halted in 2014 so talk about that phase because that's something i think is uh, the, the listeners would be you know enlightened with and uh, and you yeah, were... i think you know when uh, the when we when we when i took over in 2003 as the executive secretary in charge and i was as the joint secretary also of the board at that time in charge of umpiring and all these areas connected with cricket uh junior cricket and uh, grounds for a part of it the first thing i realized was we were doing nothing for development of umpires in the sense that there was no educational courses as a result after venkat raghavan there was nobody who could be even come closer to be an icc panel umpire and that really uh, set us to think and and we realized that cricket australia was the country which had a structured educational program for all these people you know the umpires in particular and we had a discussion with cricket australia and we started uh, a 3 year term an agreement we signed with them and uh, we started with the umpires education program and uh, that that uh, to my mind was uh, something which was which changed for good of indian cricket because lot of uh, you know people realized the importance of education training and that that has been continued for match referees for statisticians for scorers you know it was taken up seriously and that was also the time when bcci since we had the money at that time 
we we spent money on uh, creating the umpires assessment programs you know all matches of the ranji trophy were covered fully with four cameras and uh, the teams were given cassettes of their match the umpires were given a, a, a copy of it so that they can study their performances and the umpires assessment used to happen regularly with mr venkatragon at the help uh, a three member committee used to analyze the performance of umpires and gradation of umpires happened seriously at that time and that is why uh, i feel that you know it it changed the whole outlook of bcci that it's not only organizing cricket matches but our role is also to educate and create uh, you know good support staff uh for the for the game of cricket also so was it phased out in 2014 or is still going on because this seemed like a great initiative well it's uh, the educational program is still on but uh, we we don't use the help from cricket australia now for example the match referee training is conducted under supervision of mr jawagal srinath then retired umpires are conducting uh, assessment of umpires uh, is being done by a three member team uh, mr hariyaran is the chairman of that who is himself an icc panel umpire so it's in place but we have discontinued our agreement with uh, which we had with cricket australia and we do it in house now whether it is match referee or curators or scorers statisticians the this course courses are happening but with our local inputs yeah, that's great uh, another uh, chapter i would like to explore here or another phase is of the curator there's also a curator mm. program where yeah. you had curators go to australia and other places to just learn how different conditions are how to prepare a good pitch because a good pitch has become a big discussion when teams tour so yeah. talk about that and also throw in the polio late polio umrigar example when for dilip engsarkar's 100th test we yeah. didn't want the pitch to be helpful to richard hadley so that kind of ties in for a good story for a young fan here well i think two i'll just add also that uh, we we started an umpire exchange program with cricket australia english cricket board and south african cricket board and we used to send exchange umpires an umpire from australia would come to bcci match and officiate ranji trophy two matches and an indian umpire would go to australia and officiate into sheffield shield games and this is happening every year with all these three countries that has helped in improving the umpires you know they 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 learn there they they exchange views with the umpires local umpires in australia in england and south africa and uh, you know it it has helped in their knowledge uh, basically so far as the curators is concerned it's the same problem because we didn't have any qualified curators it used to be groundsmen a common term that was used there and people like polyum uh, rigor and all their services were used as and when required basis there was no curator as such uh, you know qualified curator as such and uh, polikaka used to as we used to call him uh, was 
was available at different places to where they wanted to prepare cricket wickets and pitches he used to help them and uh, in that that particular incident which i mentioned was uh, dilip pensarkar's 100 test match i think 1987 must be and uh, the match was played at wankhede stadium new zealand richard hadley was to play in that game and the indian team didn't want any grass to be left on the wicket and as as uh, it would have it you know mr hadley still took 10 wickets in that match in in the two innings so uh, in spite of uh, taking the efforts to ensure that there is not a blade of grass left we have now qualified curators and uh, we send our curators two of them go to australia every year and uh, study the 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 programs there so we have lot of good qualified youngsters who are now managing the wickets in the different associations now the problem arises is uh, the requirement of home team in an international match becomes a necessity uh, in all the countries and uh, i don't know how that could be overcome but uh, you know good good band of youngsters have been a batch of youngsters we have now who who are able to give good wickets the domestic matches are played well now on good crafted wickets and that has improved because of the educational programs interesting so you said uh, you know the home team and that's a big question you know that at the fan level everybody discusses this so with the yeah. wengsarkar example it looks like that happened in 88 or 89 when hadley mm-hmm. and new zealand were touring if mm-hmm. my memory serves correct yeah. So is this an ongoing thing or has this become more of a thing because the world Ch- test championship now teams just have to hold serve at home you think during the days of mr gavaskar kapil dev and everyone i think uh, i i won't uh, say it has started now it used to be there in some way or the other in all countries uh they used to play for on, on their strengths and uh, you know the idea was to subdue the visiting team right in the first test match with some strength of the bowling attack of theirs so prepare wickets accordingly and uh, now with the worst world test championships you know the point systems being awarded i think it is for icc to to really take a look at how they can uh, you know is there a solution i would say to uh, from such activities hmm i just realized because i was reading a book till late last night i called sunil gavaskar as mr gavaskar i mean i should call everyone mr but on the podcast i only called him mr because you addressed him as mr gavaskar he was your hero he was also my first hero mm-hmm. so the young listener today has a lot of opinions about be it jo- uh, sunil gavaskar or be it you know any retired cricketer because they are in the commentary box because yeah. their heroes are playing and the former heroes are comment doing the commentary yeah. but what gets lost besides his great batsmanship is and i was not aware i know he was always a consultant or some capacity uh, has worked closely with the bcci but during our book it was such a refresher course that how so many presidents and so many eras that passed they all consulted sunil gavaskar for one thing or the other so talk about yeah. his role after retirement how and what he's meant 
to behind the scenes changes be it the appointment of a chapel or a secret meeting with a gary kirsten or you know ad hoc committees uh, he was someone who was very instrumental to you and to most working members he was accessible so he's like a hidden treasure i mean seems yeah, like yeah i think you know, it all yeah i think it all started when he retired and mr dalmia uh, you know requested him to be a part of uh, the technical committee of the board uh and uh, you know his advice was very important in those days of uh, how domestic cricket can be improved uh, how ranji trophy can be made more competitive the rules regulations playing conditions you know he his knowledge and and the value that he brings to the table was outstanding you know it was such a pleasure to be in a meeting with him and uh, with so much of knowledge and uh, you know uh, advice that he could give i still remember uh, you know in one of the meetings he said that we must have a meeting of ranji trophy captains every year at the end of the season so that we listen to what they feel how we can still improve what are the problem what are the shortcomings because strengthening domestic cricket according to him was the main uh, thing uh so also uh, he was the 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 first director founder director of national cricket academy when it started at bangalore uh technical committee has been he has chaired for many years long long number of years uh, then guidance in ipl you know framing the cricketing part of it the rules regulations you know there there also he has made lot of contribution i don't think there is an area which he has not been uh, his expertise has not been used by the bcci and it was not dalmia but after dalmia whoever became the head of the board uh, necessarily sought his help in anything related to cricketing matters on the board whether it was the rules regulations whether it was playing conditions or whether he were it was selecting a coach for the indian team you know particularly the foreign coaches i think he played a major role in the interviews in trying to get uh, you know what 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 we need out of a coach i mean and i think that's something very uh, strange because he's he was full of knowledge on all these things and he still continues to do that apart from his commentary stint uh, i think his contribution has been enormous and didn't you have him also on the 97 tour when he was as a commentator you brought him back to the yes, yes. the players room and he hasn't yeah. come back to the room for for a decade tell tell us about that story now we were uh, you know at, in the 97 tour there were there was the asia cup and then there was the bilateral tour to start so in the asia cup uh a match was washed out between uh, in one of, one of, one of the game that we were to play was washed out because of rain and we had to beat bangladesh with a margin to qualify for the final and uh, madanlal told me that uh, can we ask gavaskar to come and talk to the team and that's how we both approached him he was very reluctant uh, to be very honest because he said that i have not stepped into the dressing room after i have retired and uh, i don't feel comfortable 
and uh, somehow we convinced him he came and spoke uh, to the players before the start of that match against bangladesh which we won uh, convincingly and we qualified for the final uh, and then of course uh, you would uh, your viewers or listeners would would know that he was appointed as a batting consultant of the indian team uh, when john wright was the coach of the indian team for a short period on when australia toured india uh, he was he was a batting consultant at that time and uh, in that sense i think uh, he has been somebody who has been associated for the longest period uh, with the board sure so and you said something about he was instrumental in getting a foreign coach at least part of those discussions that has been a at least from far it looks like that has been a point of bit of a discontent for former indian cricketers because the, as the portfolio has grown you know uh, we have gone to foreign coaches so what is your overall balance sheet of how the foreign coaches have played out and more importantly how the discussion is foreign versus national what is the best way uh, in the bcca office how do the office bearers think and the decision makers is it just about the candidate or is it more uh, the mindset of a foreign coach or versus an indian coach well i think when it started uh, when we went to john wright i think uh, it was basically a suggestion which came from some of the top cricketers the playing cricketers and uh, the bcci decided to try give it a try and that's how john wright became was the first foreign coach who was appointed and he had a successful stint with the indian team and the players uh, really thought that you know it makes a change uh in terms of attitude in terms of neutrality of looking at players uh there were several factors which they thought were positive when you have a foreign coach uh, as compared to an indian coach and uh, then that trend continued and after john wright left uh, of course greg chapel was uh, was appointed and it became a disaster to for various reasons i i don't think he alone was responsible for that but uh, uh the whole collective uh, system at that time didn't work whether his contribution he had an assistant uh, who worked with him at that time and uh, the team the senior players in the team i think uh, didn't gel with that with the coach <clears throat> and in fact i have written the book it was saurav ganguly who was responsible for bringing greg chapel as the coach because greg chapel had worked on him as far as the fast bowling batting against rising deliveries he had gone there and worked under greg chapel and i think it was his suggestion that was that uh, that put mr dalmia uh, you know to appoint uh, mr greg chapel at that time and then of course uh, uh, after greg chapel gary custon uh, realized uh, you know that uh, apart from coaching what was important was man management which greg chapel did not succeed in uh, so man management with the indian top stars is is a necessity apart from your coaching skill which matter 
and fortunately for gary we won the world cup and uh, it made a lot of difference uh, then of course uh, that trend continued further uh, with the up yeah and, and, and graham ford right was one of the interviewees before gary one of the and then he he accepted the job he, he accepted <laughs> and then he next day sent a mail that he, you know he doesn't want to come and uh, that's all and then of course uh, at some stage uh, ravi shastri was brought in brought into the indian team as a mentor and uh, you know consultant to work with the with the players took over as a full time coach and then of course rahul dravid is serving now so but again uh, in the in the chapel part of the book i think chapel deserves his own podcast because there was such a like you said such a disaster mm. such a polarizing stay he did some good work but mm. he also didn't make many friends no, but you said a, his ex- he was a, he was a good coach there's no doubt and a huge personality himself and uh, you know he was not used to the stardom in indian cricket and and you said something uh, which i didn't know i read a chapel book but you said something about his exit interview basically his parting words it resonated well with you and many other people who were yeah. shaping indian yeah. cricket and that kind of is the motto that indian cricket is playing today what was chapel's vision so talk about that stuff because that sometimes gets overlooked yeah i think uh, you know when in that meeting he made a presentation uh, av presentation of what he feels about indian cricket and he, there was a slide which was devoted as to what bcci should do if you know what are the issues and and that need to be addressed and uh, you know all the points which he raised there you know we, we some of us who were sitting there we realized that he was identifying the cause uh, you know which which the bcci had to look at you know if if indian cricket had to grow and had to be powerful and uh, i was very impressed with that actually and when i felt now one of the major issues that he was he talked about was the fitness of the players agility you know that that is what has been a part of the indian team ever since virat kohli became the captain of the indian team you know slowly the indian team went has gone to another level in terms of fitness and and that has made a lot of change when it comes to the performance of indian team in the international cricket yeah absolutely virat kohli has men you know has taken so one has to one has to give credit to uh, you know his knowledge the, the knowledge which greg chapel had unfortunately uh, you know the clash was between him and sorrow ganguly which slowly got divert, diverted uh, into other people Yeah, and and you said he was a good coach right and that's why oh, yeah. he was also uh, hired or contracted again to work at the nca right that kind of speaks he, he served as at nca right after his he exit from he didn't come back no he didn't, oh, he didn't? okay no. so so let's talk about the nca how instrumental has the nca been for shaping the future of indian cricket a lot of big names have been associated with it but overall what's your take on the nca are you all proud of the work that has come out of the nca Yes, I think uh, NCA in, in the last uh, since two thousand one, 
has contributed in its own way to the development of indian cricket but uh, we you know we we didn't move out of i would say move out of the nca which is located at uh, one of the chinna swami stadium in karnat in bangalore uh you know it was time that bcci should have gone for its own place with uh, with 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 a modern academy with all uh, required facets that are needed for the current uh, uh, cricket uh, coaching which now finally has happened and uh, there there is a complex that is coming out in bangalore which should be ready in another year which i am sure will 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 be proud of actually but i feel nca has contributed in more than one way uh, particularly again starting with uh, australian coaches being there at that time and uh, creating a study material creating a structure for coaching uh, you know coaching levels uh, which are there i think it in a way it has helped indian cricket and i think the children who are identified particularly age group cricketers who are identified in the domestic cricket you know the six week camp which uh, the nca conducts every year zonal camp which the top 20 cricketers are selected you know that has made a positive impact and that that is creating a bench strength for for the age group and as they grow you are getting more and more uh, talented cricketers out of that definitely nca has contributed to the growth of indian cricket also so was that a road map again uh, mirrored after some other cricket nation or that was just a, a, a introspection by gavaskar and brijesh patel and the founding fathers of the nca or the architects no i, I think i i i think uh, there must be there must have been some thinking in terms uh, of other countries also because australia for that matter was already ahead of other countries in terms of uh, the national in the in terms of the cricket academy central cricket academies so it must have been a thought process we started from there and of course gavaskar and brijesh patel Uh, with their experience and indian conditions you know they they brought about a different uh, thinking sure so this has been a great conversation is it okay if i keep you for another 15 minutes oh yeah okay sure so 2009 is when indian test team becomes number 1 for the first time so i think the two parallel mm-hmm. paths become at a common intersection bcci has become the most powerful board and finally the team which is you know full of superstars and an adoring fan base is the best team in the world so what was that moment like for you and everyone involved because cricketers are your I, colleagues that's no, that's i think it was it was a huge moment for us and i still remember when uh, you know the champions trophy match was to be played at brabon stadium final in 2006 november and uh, malcolm speed was the ceo of icc and he was in bombay and he gave an interview to a newspaper that you know bcci is financially a rich body but it must also reflect in terms of the silverware in the in the cupboards 
of the cricketing nation and uh, you know we i spoke i gave a response to that that uh, yes you know we we will work to that you know you are right that uh, there is nothing beyond the 1983 world cup at that time and uh, things are changing and bcci will be a force to reckon with in the years to come and that has been you know that that has been proved whether it is under 19 world cups or uh, the men's world cup champions trophy uh, the t20 world cup so the silverware has has increased uh, in the bcci office which which uh, mr malcolm speed was concerned about yeah some of those comments could also be due to the rise of you know indian stakeholder and you know vice versa but it was a fair criticism but now india definitely yeah. has yeah. proved to be a world class sometimes, team sometimes sometimes such criticisms uh, are necessary to motivate you and uh, you know uh, make you work towards a goal absolutely so modern game also means more player power i was talking to sharda when we had a podcast couple years ago and she said mm-hmm. player access is a very different game now because players are superstars they mm-hmm. have you know 100 million followers on twitter and instagram they talk to mm-hmm. uh, their own fans now, now players are guarded with you know with agents and there's just more red taping around the players mm-hmm. so on your watch right when you worked with a legend like sunil gavaskar uh, and you've seen him play you've seen kapil dev play you've seen the rise of the great mm-hmm. sachin tendulkar and everyone so how does like a virat kohli stardom uh, differ to say a kapil dev or gavaskar stardom for you because you know these men in flesh you work with them you sit with them how is that aura change and i think it's a, i would i would uh, put it on a change in the era you know social media in the last few years is the main cause of uh, you know superstars being created out of sportsmen it i don't think it is only cricketers it applies to all other sports also it's the same i feel that uh, you know they they are it's difficult to approach them uh, you know and people find it difficult you have your instagrams and uh, whatsapps and facebooks you know there that has become the order of the day whereas in an international cricket match it used to be always the reporting the cricket reporters interviewing cricketers at the end of the day's play or before the start of the game writing on that match or writing the historical perspective of uh, series you know that used to be the essence where cricketers used to support that cricketers used to willingly help in that but today it's not the case any journalist today finds it very difficult to approach a cricketer and get a cricketer to write something or uh, explain something from forest for for the viewers or for the readers i would say they prefer to be on their internet in, uh, the instagrams and uh, reach out to their own people you know we have got 250 million and 100 million that becomes an aura 
So it's I not like that, mandated by BCCI, right? You know, less media or it's not coming from. No, the I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, that is where again I felt that uh, you know we were not, we are not as media savvy as we should be. In the sense that BCCI <laughs> announcements uh, are not, excuse me, <clears throat> the BCCI reaches out to the media. only after a report has appeared in some of the media yeah you said so, that in the book right uh, you yeah, and some yeah. others wanted bcci to be more reactive so has that no, culture yeah. changed because some people no, think it it's arrogance not. it is not i i don't say arrogance but i don't know i, I really can't uh, give any reason hmm. but unfortunately we are still uh, not clear on you know like any other board i mean uh, for example cricket australia the media manager who accompanies with the team has got no player will go and talk to the media without his permission and the media has to approach him and he will organize the interactions or reports so that doesn't happen with us that's that's one area of uh, concern and that is why uh, you know you get in reports being published Uh, official sources which which is which is strange actually because if you are giving you if somebody is leaking out that information then might as well send out an official circular or a media release to that effect it helps all the journalists now what happens is particular section of the journalists who are closer to the cricketers or to the administration get them the, the the news first and and that is where the problem lies according to me. an area which we need to we, are, we need to cover up sure and then another extension of the question on the player power is which is very fascinating to me because since you've been a trusted confidant of players and anyone who's doing your role today uh has the equation for the bcci office bearers or back office has it also ch- uh, changed with the modern day superstar or that hasn't changed compared to what it was with the kapil dev or azuruddin or bank sarkar back in the day say how it is no, with now, rohit sharma no now they are you know it's not that uh, it's less friendly i would call it uh, i think more professional less, <laughs> less friendly more huh? professional because uh, you know they are they are either playing international cricket or they are playing ipl or you know they are busy with their own stuff so you know it's a tough equation according to absolutely so you brought the ipl and i was thinking maybe we should do a special episode on the ipl because ipl cannot fit in this conversation this was more about your journey but True. since we are talking ipl when the ipl was you know inaugurated the inception there were many skeptics i was one of them i'm again fan of the 80s so it's not like i don't watch the ipl i do watch it every now and then i enjoy it too but uh, i don't think it's going to take off and now the comparisons are with nba and the sophisticated leagues of the world yeah. so how has ipl grown and if someone told you in 2008 we'll be having this conversation in 2023 the ipl will be the showpiece event of the year and looks like it might even continue to get bigger so wh- what do you how do you look back 15 years ago and is it is it is it the vision everybody had or this has exceeded What no, it was I, to, be. to be very honest, I don't think anybody 
anybody in the BCCI would have thought that this is where IPL will lead to. I still remember uh, Lalit organized a meeting in Singapore. Uh, myself, Mr. Bindra and Lalit, we, we attended that meeting where IMG made a presentation on this IPL format, T20 League. They call that T20 League in this for the presentation. And Lalit had invited the chief executive of Australia, Cricket Australia, Cricket England and South Africa. And I honestly, it was uncertain as to where and how much, how it will succeed. It was, it was not uh, something which people had thought of. As a result, you, if you look at, you know, simple, my example would be that look at the franchise values of 2008. The highest is $112 million for 10 years, which Mumbai Indians paid. When dollar was hedged at 40 rupees. So basically, um, Mumbai Indians got the team at around 500 crores. As compared to a new team today, which is paying about 8,000 crores. That's the change. And that nobody had visualized, honestly. Nobody had thought that uh, the, the broadcast rights will increase so drastically. You know, from 1,000 crores in the first 10 years to grow to 7,000 crores and then uh, the television rights plus media uh, digital to be 15 crores and then to 50 crores. I don't think anybody would have imagined that. It has to do with the success of that format right from the very first year. And for that, I think uh, more than BCCI, uh, it is the franchise who are to be given credit because the industrialists did not uh, spare any efforts from their end to make this event uh, what it is. There was Bollywood stars who got connected which in India, Bollywood was as it is something which was, uh, you know, uh, crazy things that, that we always follow. So, honestly, BCCI would never, never have expected at that time that it will grow so much. Mm. But at the same time, I think, you know, Lalit has to be given credit for this. For the start of IPL, it was his brainchild. It was difficult times, but he managed to get eight teams and start the IPL. And he was confident that it will work. And uh, right from day one, it took off. And it's a different story now. I don't think uh, anybody of us expected this kind of uh, growth in just 20 years, mm. 15 years. Sorry. I mean, I was skeptic then. Now my guesswork is totally changed. I think we are not far away from a period where IPL will be played six, seven months a year. That's what I think like <laughs> NBA, NBA does. 
Lasith Malinga and all the IPL T20 specialists, uh, mm. there's an opportunity to, you know, play in the most lucrative league. Of course, old timers like myself, I'm in my mid-40s. I want test cricket to survive. But the question is, in 20 years from now, do we see a South a Africa or a West yes. Indies playing test cricket? I don't know. It's <laughs> a challenge for these countries to hold on to their players. See, the biggest decision which BCCI took in protecting IPL and and bringing it increasing its brand value was that they don't allow indian players to play in any other leagues so any uh, player indian cricketer international cricketer or anybody who is who is there on the annual contract and is playing ipl cannot go and play in any other league and all other leagues therefore are looked at differently in terms of revenue as compared to ip and that is one of the main reasons because uh, i still remember when they wanted to start big bash there was a request that at least one indian player in each of the teams would help them and and you can see the difference because the player payments the match uh, you know the annual contract of the players for ipl as compared to big bash or any other leagues will will tell you the story of what is the strength of ipl but then recently and, right raina and some other players wanted right because if their shelf life in ipl is over like say even a uh dk right he he could be playing in some other league so you think is that a, is that a clause that could be relaxed in the future because a lot of indian players no they, they, they the, rule is, the rule is very clear that they have to retire from all formats including ipl are you a fan of this clause because in a free market someone would say ipl is ipl no one will touch ipl but they would they should still be allowed they are they only have a window of 5 6 years to make more money no so, but then who will see if, the problem is that who will play in domestic cricket then all your youngsters if you are going to allow them to go and yashashwi uh, jaiswals to go and play in all over the league hmm. how will they grow what is what is indian cricket going to be after 5 years now that's that's that's, that's a good counterpoint and i'm sure a lot of people had this question and i'm glad we talked about this we talked about dying test cricketing nations right with bcci as a custodian mm. of the game and the financial arm you think at, at some point there are there discussions maybe to lend a some sort of support for a struggling board like a west indies or a south africa are those yeah, conversations i think, I think you see, see uh, i think all the boards irrespective of uh, whether they are england or australia or south africa or west indies today rely on indian tour once in two years so they they will tie up with bcci for a tour once in two years because their media rights depends on india too it's an honest 
judgment and that is what has changed from in in the last 20 25 years where bcci has to go with the begging ball to have a home series against england or australia or west indies and we had to shell out huge amount of guarantee money but today without an indian team no country would get the kind of media rights revenue that they expect sure i mean that that's the reality we live in so i'm sure uh, yeah, yeah. M- more more comes out of it and more countries continue to play cricket so you know people with the countries like bangladesh or zimbabwe they are happy they don't have a home series against them in india even if india goes to that country once in two years they are happy because in four years they are going to get a good amount of money absolutely so uh, let's wrap this up and you have okay. a chapter no no a few more minutes i can go on but i don't want to abuse yeah. your time so you have a chapter which says challenges i will say it improvements right so mm-hmm. what are some of the work in progress right it's definitely a world class organization bcci but how far bci has to go to match up to an nba because in nba i've been living in the united states for 27 years nba is like a well oiled machine the schedule comes out at a word point and players are sorry fans are able to get tickets now there's a cricket world cup coming in october and fans are complaining why isn't you know as has a schedule come out pardon me if it hasn't come out so mm-hmm. are there uh, you know spaces according to you where there could be more transparency and more improvement because that kind of an event with travel plans etc fans you know would want to plan ideally so is that an area that concerns you or maybe yeah, it's a work I, in progress I mean, honest, honestly i think uh, that is one area which we need to we need to work on uh, because uh, sale of tickets online and people who are traveling from other countries for these world cup events you know they they need to plan at least 6 months before if not a month if not more than that and uh, yes and here i'll even icc has to uh, take the blame to put things in proper perspective and ensure because after all it is their event it's not a bcci event it's an icc event that is being conducted or hosted by bcci so somewhere down the line i think as an organizer icc also has to push for it Sure. And uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is in your chapters of the <clears throat> challenges, you talk about NCA, uh, you also talk about Monkey Gate, you also talk about women's cricket. Why those topics are dear to you? Of course, women's cricket deserves a podcast on women's its own. Women's cricket was, you know, I have, I have seen women's cricket since 1975, the struggles. They have spent their own money to organize a tour. you know they it was it was challenging actually they didn't have grounds but uh, I, i i therefore i you know i feel when you have a strong person at the head of the organization and he takes a call that women's cricket should be a part of bcci and no and does not allow anybody to you know challenge that but for mr sharad power i don't think women's cricket would would have come under bcci because for 10 long years bcci was kept on postponing this topic on women's cricket 
But 2006 to today, we are in 23. In 17 years, I think women's cricket has gone a long way. And today, our girls, the opportunities that they get, the facilities that they get, uh, it is to be seen, to be believed, and that give, that is making changes in in the way they play the game and uh, and their performances. So I feel that was you know it was equally it was very important decision that was taken and only a powerful person could have taken that decision. And then you also had Monkey Gate listed there as you know uh, what went on. So is there something you want to talk about for a couple of minutes? Yeah, ma, I think Monkey Gate was uh, you know uh, something which was which which became a discussion more than what was probably. expected at that time and uh, could have been could have been avoided accordingly could have been handled better okay could have been right. could have been avoided handled better you know it was you know media was circulating all kinds of things i felt that uh, could have been dealt with better because the two main architects of that incident became friends in the first ipl Uh, yeah, again, that's a touchy topic, and uh, yeah, I they won't. They played uh, in the same team. Definitely, they they definitely made amends, but uh, yeah, that's that was a very touchy topic and contentious yeah. one. So uh, let's wrap this up. Final question: oh, You are a fan, yeah. well wisher of Indian cricket. You worked behind the scenes. So on your watch, uh, if you were to look at some of the hard moments or something that even touched you. Uh, Deeply, like you know, in the book you said when Azhar's ban happened, Raj Singh Dungapur cried because he was so fond of Azhar, mm. and I I was let down by Azhar. You know, I've spoken yeah. in a recent podcast uh, because you know I was a huge fan, and things became pretty oh, hazy. Yes. Yeah, and then the Dravid resignation. You were there. You felt something was wrong with Dravid in the England tour. Team is having it's one of his finest moments, but he was just not in the right space. Or the or the Kohli Kumble saga. or the mm. sachin rahul declaration what were some of the uncomfortable moments according to you as a well-wisher of indian cricket that kind of uh, came out which shouldn't have or or the way it played it shouldn't have well i think uh, you know these are incidents for example sachin's declaration it has and as, as i said that it was a question of uh, team decision Which say which are which decided that we will declare so Pakistan plays ten overs for example. I'm just so the captain feels that this is a team decision we implement. Now whether that captain should have allowed another over to go on to give Tendulkar another over is is a practical question which which arises and people judge it from uh, Sachin Tendulkar's point of view. That is denied to one. That's that becomes even a controversy. But and then the declaration yeah. was a part of the decision which the team had taken. And was the Dravid resignation because he he reached out to you right when the team came and then he. Well, I, I think uh, what I felt my personal uh, feeling of the whole saga was that see when he was captain. During the Greg Chappell era, a lot of the senior players were sit were made to sit out 
that was not his fault he was not the selector neither did he have a voice to decide who should be there and who should not be there but once greg chapel goes out i think uh, you know he became people made him a villain you know as if he was supporting what greg chapel decisions which i again i feel was uh, something which was not correct and i think i'm a, i'm a big dravid fan and uh, the only yeah. point from my vantage point and fellow fans is he has not broken his silence maybe that's the code he no. works at he's a very you know he's kept it to his you know his chest close to his chest hasn't written a book yeah. and yes. more importantly he's never said anything uh, to question even greg chapel which again is oh. more consistent to his way of operating but oh, that yes. leaves yes. a lot of desire you know a lot of stuff desired for the fans point of view because uh, indian camp was divided it was a ganguly camp yeah, yeah. and the dravid camp and then you also throw in tendulkar tendulkar you know has said few things about greg chapel so that kind of leaves yeah. david as the isolated guy out there yeah Very so anyway good. anyway any parting words you want to say for a listener about the book and the bcci or your journey the floor is yours i'll give you the, there's no question it's all you what do you want to say well i think uh, i had i had no intention of writing the book but uh, you know it was covid times and the publisher was is he, he was keen that i i do something take up this and then i decided uh, you know the best thing is to write what is good for indian cricket you know the factual part of it that's how the exercise started i enjoyed writing that uh, because it could you know i had made it, i had made it very clear to the publisher that i am not going to indulge in any uh, you know Uh, topics which is which is going to be controversial and you know discussed which 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 may not be good for indian cricket so whatever i have experienced i have put those thoughts i have also written what i felt on certain incidents and it is an honest uh, exercise which i carried out No, and thanks for writing it because uh, fans like me who are no big fans of BCCI I'm not going to be wearing a BC- I love BCCI t-shirt anytime soon <laughs> but but it opened my eyes to the work that's been done and and folks like yourself who've dedicated a lifetime uh, in kind of uh, bringing Indian cricket to this level and sometimes it gets overlooked because we look at the yeah. big millionaires yes. running yes. or politicians running the office but there's a lot of good work that's been done the umpiring and the curator chapters were my favorite I'll yeah. put in the sh- uh, Amazon link for the book I'm sure some people will go and check it out or I hope more people do it because it's a good account if you're an Indian cricket fan I think you should go check out Professor Shetty's book and it has a lot of good chapters a lot of good details about some of the glorious chapters that have you know shaped what India and BCCI have become so again thank you for your time it was a lovely thank you so much I asked for one hour well, we we are close to 2 yeah. hours <laughs> yeah no